Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. 47 homers, a career best for Schwarber in the regular season. Now Harper deep in the right center, and he'll watch this one fly. Second home run of the inning. I know we always have this discussion um, about who you want up in a big moment. Which hitter would you want up in a big moment? You need the big home run, the big hit. And, um, yeah, I mean, you got Aaron Judge. Uh, I can't believe at one point I said Shohei Otani. I'd like to have a redo on on that. But, anyhow, that's beside the point. Uh, Then I think we kind of decided in Jordan Alvarez. Now, I got to ask you this. Who would you least rather pitch to in a postseason game? Ooh. Aaron Judge, Bryce Harper, Jordan Alvarez. That's a great question. Well, I, I, the first thing I'd ask you is, is what hand is the guy throwing with on the mound? Uh, where is he throwing it? Is, is it in Philly? That that's a That's a big deal because that would – weigh my decision one way or the other or whether I'm picking Bryce Harper or not. Uh, look, I, I'm not sure you can go wrong with any of the three choices that you just mentioned. Uh, I mean, it, it would be very hard to argue either one of the two lefties, right? It's, mm-hmm. I mean, the, 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 whenever they get the bad pitch, the pitch, again, I've said this to you guys, every time that you watch from afar or you're watching on TV, you're sitting on your couch and you watch one of these elite guys, no matter where they're trying to do it at, in a playoff game, on the road, at home, when they get the pitch, you, uh, you're basically going – it's rare that you say, man, he should have hammered that because they usually hammer those, right? And I think when you get to the level that the three guys that you just mentioned are at, you know, I, I, I would the obvious thing was I'd like to walk all three of them. But knowing, <laughs> you know, uh, who's on the mound and, and, you know, there's a little pride there, right? There's, there's pride and in, in if I make my pitch because we're here and I'm one of the main reasons why we're here, I'm probably going to get most guys out. And then you throw a ball down the middle because a lefty or lefties have good game plans. You could tell early on that the Phillies were looking in and they were looking in for fastballs early in counts, right? And when it leaks a little middle – I mean, because you're thinking in and you've sped your barrel up enough to catch it out front and you're hitting those balls to the pull side because you have more power and, and can hit balls to Pluto, that's sort of what happens. And, yeah, it's it's just I, – I just – you know, being one of those lefties that used to try and be the best 5 o'clock hitter in baseball, yeah. there. there I, you see how I didn't say 7 o'clock hitter. I said <laughs> best 5 o'clock hitter in baseball – to watch these dudes do things to baseballs that humans are just not be able, supposed to be able to do that to is is something fun to watch. And, you know, it's it's because of the lineup that we've watched all year, quite frankly, was not fun at all. 
yeah. to see the lineups now in the playoffs that are just Oof. fun. You look at the Rangers, right? They're taking what the pitcher gives them. They're not over swinging. You know, they're just trying to catch the ball with their barrel and throw it to where it's pitched, right? If it's away, I'm going to hit it to right or left or up the middle. It's like the that sound, nice, balanced, under control approach, and that's how you pass the baton, man. It's it's a lot of fun to watch, and, and you can tell why these teams are in the playoffs and, and going as far as they're going because how tough they are to pitch to. Yeah, I, you know, I think for the past week or so before we come on the air, you and I talk, and I always say the same thing. It's like every game I keep seeing the Blue Jays lineup being farther <laughs> and farther and farther and farther away from being a World Series caliber lineup. Like I'm looking at these lineups, and you know what? I got to tell you, even with Bo and Vladdy cooking at the same time, yeah, with the exception maybe of the Diamondbacks, although I need to see a little more of them, even if those two dudes are cooking at the same time, they're not in the same level as, as the Phillies the Rangers or even the Astros. They're just Yeah, not. it's almost like it's almost like because of the rumblings around Cody Bellinger and and you know the thought that he might have a chance to come to Toronto. That's not enough. Like I mean it, no, it would start it isn't. A, You're it absolutely would, right. Yeah, yeah, it would start with Otani, right? Otani would make it a little easier. You know, the eye candy of having them three dudes and and wherever you want to hit your Springer in the order would be kind of, you know, sexy and and you'd love to see that. I mean that would make it a little bit a little bit better and a little bit more fun to want to tune in to watch that lineup. But yeah, I'm with you. Like it's, I, I again, I I just, we talked about the balance and we talked about the quality of the approaches and when the quality of the hitter gets his pitch, how most of the time they don't miss it. And then you think of the Blue Jays. <laughs> it's like it's just like they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. And maybe it's not fair for us to say it that way. Right? Because yeah, it is of, fair. Yeah, no, it's, it it's true. It's absolutely, it's absolutely true. It, it's, it's, yes, it's, it's absolutely accurate. I, I don't, I don't know how you can, I don't know how you can, can view it any other way. Uh, the Rangers beating the Astros five four yesterday. They've got a two nothing lead. Houston's got Texas right where they want them now. Uh, <laughs> Houston, who can't win at home, no team by the way has gone to the World Series with a losing home record. The Astros are attempting to do that this year. They go on the road now uh, to Texas after after losing five four last night. Uh, Framber Valdez, as my friend Mister Barker predicted, uh, had all sorts of trouble with the sinker, made a costly error. Uh, the good news for the Astros, I guess, if you're looking for good news, is they've got Christian Javier going, and he's he's uh, he, well. You're he's in love with that guy. You? You I got do a man crush me. on him. I do love Christian. me some Christian Javier. <laughs> the uh, Phillies, we were just talking about them. Uh, they beat the Diamondbacks five four. I got to tell you, I thought we were looking at twelve nothing, thirteen nothing, or something like that early in the game. With the uh, the way Philly got off to a four nothing lead after three credit the Diamondbacks though they they did hang in credit Zach Gallen he did you know he 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 didn't fold entirely uh, but eight hits five runs over five innings and of course the uh, home runs allowed very quickly so Kevin let me ask you this Jonathan Papelbon joins us in a few minutes we'll ask him oh. this as well um did you see anything out of Arizona that suggests to you they can they can win this series one game yeah, I, I know about- one game only but did you see anything let me rephrase that what did you see out of Arizona that said to you okay now I see why these dudes are here 
And, yeah, maybe they do have a chance in this series. Yeah, I think the Dodgers stunk. Is that a reason? That's fair, yes. Yeah, Dodgers look, must I, have I'm, been really bad. I don't want to say anything about the Diamondbacks. I mean, the Diamondbacks are, are, are feisty. Uh, they got some athletes running all over the place. They play good enough defense. Uh, you know, the <laughs> – I just I think it's limiting the big inning on the road in the playoffs against the lineup, and then you got to face a, a Zach Wheeler who yeah. right now is the best pitcher in the playoffs. It's just a lot to overcome, right? I, and I I think that's the thing, right? If you look at the Diamondbacks, you look at the Astros. How do they limit the big inning? How do they score first? That's the thing you got to ask yourself. Every we talked about this with the Blue Jays. Dan Showman basically every second inning would say the same thing over and over. Blue Jays down two nothing coming into the bottom of the second. Like that was sort of the thing, and it just looks the way you know. If 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 you're looking at big picture and how the Astros can make a little comeback here and make this thing interesting, and how the Diamondbacks can scare the the Phillies, is how do you score first? How do you? Mm. You know, limit the big inning, and that's the thing is you ask yourself, does the Diamondbacks have enough talent to do that? I would say on the flip side of that, probably not. I just think when you can hit as many home runs and you sort of all your main guys when you're the Phillies clicking the way they're clicking and you can't make a mistake, I mean, can't's a big word, but, boy, it's got that feel to it, right, that if they just yeah. throw a ball down the middle, they get it back, and it's going to change the game that way. The Astros, it's two dudes for me, right? It's Altuve and Tucker. Like how how do those two? What are those two guys? They Tucker is two for twenty two in the playoffs. Yeah, they're combined for three for three. I don't know what it is. It's three for they're something. For, I think isn't isn't Altuve one for seventeen? Yeah, they're zero for sixteen in in, in the two games Oof. against Texas. So Oof. yeah, it's those two guys, right? If one of those guys can get hot, I mean, Dusty's trying to move Tucker up in front of Alvarez, trying to get him to think about it less. It ain't about getting better pitch. He's getting better. He's getting pitches to hit. I mean. You mm-hmm. get, I, I'm sure you're watching the same game I was watching. He more normally when he's right, the pitches that he's been getting, he hammers that. Yeah, you know, it's the left center. Him. I absolutely so. Yeah. You know, I think he's got a little bit of a long swing right now. He needs to shorten that up. Maybe start from the ground up. Do do things to maybe make his barrel a little quicker, getting it to the strike zone and having a little bit more length. Dusty'll do his part moving him around. So. If you're the Astros, it's one of those two guys. If you're the Diamondbacks and the Astros, how do you limit the big inning? How do you score first? That, for me, is going to be the theme here going forward. Yeah, I think, uh, boy, it, you know, it's funny. The, the two things that I never really uh, that I never really spent a great deal of time putting a lot of stock in was one home field advantage in baseball. You know, we talked to Larry Bow about that yesterday. Uh, just the, uh, you know, to me, home field advantage can be negated by the pitcher in the mound. You know, like if, I, if I've got Zach Wheeler going on the road, I'm not entirely certain your home field is van- advantage is as good as if I got somebody else going. But between that, that's something I, I'm starting to buy into now when it comes to the Phillies. And scoring first really does seem to be a thing. I, I, I think you're noticing it more now. Maybe, again, this gets to your point, it, it comes from – watching the Blue Jays so often, and, and quite often they were outscored in the first inning and they were down early. But it really does seem, it really does seem as if, uh, as, as if you are uh, in the postseason, especially when you're facing some of the pitching you're facing. You get an early lead. It just becomes harder becomes yeah. harder to, to catch up. Because, guys, I thought Nathan Uvalde, one of the things that we saw with Nathan Uvalde, Nathan Uvalde pitched like a dude with a 4 nothing lead. 
Like he he really yeah. did. He didn't nibble. He pitched like a dude with a four nothing lead. Like if I give up yeah. a two run home run, I'm still leading. Yeah, well, you, you can't always pitch him to death. You, sometimes you got to stuff him to death, right? When you got right. the lead, you're not afraid to pound the zone. And, you know, it's not nibbling. It's not making sure every miss is perfect. Now you can stuff him to death, right? You got the extra little gear. You're feeling frisky. You know, you can overthrow a slider occasionally. You can overthrow a split finger. You can miss badly with a breaking ball and, and self-correct on the mound because you know, right, that that swing counts is not a giant deal when you got a 3 nothing lead. And that's what I said, right? It just it puts so much pressure on that pitcher. We see it with the Blue Jays. I mean, it's sort of a theme here talking about the Blue Jays, but it's right. And yep. I just think it's about scoring first, put a little pressure on the other team occasionally. Uh, he is a Nesson MLB analyst, former MLB closer, and of course, World Series champion. Jonathan Papelbon joins us on Blair and Barker. Jonathan, thanks so much for joining the two of us today. We, we trust that you're keeping well. Look, I'm going to get straight to the point with Bryce Harper here. We all know that when you were teammates with Bryce Harper, you had that set to in the dugout when Bryce didn't run out of ground ball. And quite frankly, from my point of view, rightly so, good on you for, 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 for trying to, to steer a younger teammate on, on the right path. Now you see Bryce Harper. He's practically the new Mr. October. Are you surprised? And what do you see as a difference between Bryce Harper 2022 and Bryce Harper? I guess it was 2015 when that happened, 2016? Yeah, yeah 16. And, uh, I, you know, there are, I will say this, there are certain things throughout my career that had happened that totally changed the whole dynamic for me. Um, you know, I believe that maybe with me and Bryce, that was one of them. Um, you know, um, but, you know, the transformation of uh, just overall maturity to plate discipline to a leader. Um, I mean, a real leader. I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking about a leader that just, you know, you can have two different types of leaders. You can have a leader that goes out there and, and uh, doesn't really care about the team, but goes out there and does well for himself. But, you know, this guy, man, he's, he's taken his walks. He's matured. He's, he's a leader. Um, and i tell you what, man, you know, we're all brothers in this game and I've had bigger fights with my own brothers, obviously, but I mean, <laughs> this, this situation between me and him, I, I, I don't talk to him about it anymore, but we're, you know, we're, we still talk when we see each other and, you know, give each other a big hug, man. The dynamic of our friendship hasn't changed, um, nor has it changed with Veritech, Timbaland, Wake, all these guys that we battled with and fought with before, you know, th those dynamics, they don't change. Um, you just try to grow from them. And I truly do believe that he's grown, man. He's, he's grown into this, diabolical player, man, that knows out um, as a leader. And I, I honestly, I mean, I'm happy as hell for him. I really am. You know what, Jonathan, we're going to, uh, we're going to call you back. Cause your line is, uh, your line is bad. It almost sounded like you were calling from the gates of hell there at that one point. <laughs> 
Uh, we'll call Jonathan Papelbon uh, uh, back. And, of course, 2000, it was 2016. Bryce Harper didn't yeah. run out a ground ball, and, and they got into it in the dugout. And like I said, yeah, I mean, it was – that was a big event, and guys yeah. sometimes do that, right? You gotta you, you gotta keep each other in. The, it's 162, man. Sometimes yeah, you get sure. the red ass, and you gotta keep each other in the straight and narrow. Every time that I've seen something like that, it's just not because you weren't running a ball out. It has something I'm sure off the field that's happened, yeah. and you know sometimes you got to take it out when you we get a chance to take it out. It's too great. Okay, too we've game. got we got Jonathan back now. Go ahead, Jonathan. Thanks for your patience. Yeah. Yeah, man, no worries. So, you know, like I was saying, um, there's there's these culminations that happen through your career. I think that was one of them with me and Bryce. It happened for me with Veritech when I was young. It changed me and and made me become more mature and more of a leader. Um, And, you know, honestly, I'm I'm happy as hell for him because this is the type of player that we're watching now that I saw years ago that wasn't quite there yet. And I truly do believe he's there. And – yeah, I and honestly, man, I'm pulling him for him now more than I ever have because uh, uh, in July I put 10k on the uh, Phillies to win the World Series at, at uh, plus plus 1500. So if the Phillies win the World Series, I'm 150k richer. That's nice. not bad. Yeah, you got a good chance. It so, looks like. I mean, Bryce is stepping up for you, so it looks like you got a decent yeah. chance of getting that. Hey, Jonathan, how how do you everything the Phillies do looks slow, methodical, like it? You know, they just don't hear what's going on around them, right? I mean, that sounds silly, but it's it's just like the moment is just it's it's just a you know another baseball game. We're gonna go out there, and if I'm looking fastball, I get one down the middle. I'm gonna hit it to the moon. You know, if I got an approach on the mound, and I need to execute this. Slider, I'm going to execute the slider. How do you do that? Like, is that, you know, is, is that a only experience that gives you that, or is that something you could sort of learn on the fly and, and execute that and just be able to slow it down in the biggest moments? No, you don't learn that. That's it. That you do not. You, I mean, I'm sorry. You do not just have that. That is a learned attitude. It's a learned trait. Um, you you learn to slow the game down because you've been there before. And then when you haven't been in the playoffs before, the game is actually a lot faster on you. But um, this team, we were talking about with the Phillies, man, they are very disciplined because they have a manager in Rob who is a very, very good manager, very smart manager, and a very disciplinary manager. Um and what I mean by that is when you have that guy leading that team, then everybody else is going to follow in suit. You got Schwarber. You got uh, even Bone last night hit drilled some balls right at guys. But they're all, all of their approaches are very quiet. They don't get too big in the moment. And, man, when, when your heartbeat is lower than the other guys, I'm going to tell you what, you're going to win 90% of the time. And that's just what they have right now. And, and a lot of that is because, you know what? If they don't want to pitch to Bryce, okay, Bryce, I'm going to take my walk. I'll be smart to take my walk, and then I'm going to pass it on. And that's what our good teams do. When when when, when Roy Halladay didn't want to pitch to Manny Ramirez, we had Poppy back him up. You know, it's like you have protection. And, and, and I believe that's what the Blue Jays were missing big time. There was no protection in their lineup, and I felt like everybody, you know, I had the Blue Jays going a lot further this year too, but there was no protection in the lineup, and there was a lot of um, – uh, guys out there, it seemed like for the Blue Jays that were playing for themselves, not the team. And you have everybody on the Phillies right now playing for the team 
passing the torch to the next guy. And in postseason, that's what wins. Yeah, it's almost like the Rangers too, right, where they're not overswinging. They're taking the sinker. You know, you get it up, you hit it where it's pitched. It's a simple approach, but it's hard to go out and execute. I do want to ask you about your approaches when you're in the pen as a as a reliever this time of the year, right? Is, is it different? Is the heart rate hard to to slow down? Is the what you do, like your routine, right? Everybody has a routine. If you're really good at what you're doing, you've mastered your routine. But when the heart rate goes up, you're sort of looking for things to do. You know, it's like, and I'm sure this is this time of the year for a reliever, that's not the easiest thing to do. Was there something you told yourself as a reliever? Was there something you adjusted to make yourself a little bit better at that? So when you did perform at the highest level, you didn't have to worry about all of that outside noise. Yeah, actually, I did. It's called Jägermeister. <laughs> yeah, I mean, That's you awesome. know, when when my heart was going and I was beating, and uh, I felt like, man, I take me a couple shots of Jäger, and everything was good, man. And we just, you know, like that was just my style, though. That's just what I did, and um, you know, I it put it put the edge took the edge off a little bit, you know, and. Um, I don't know, man. Jägermeister and coffee, man. It just it was a good mix for me, and um, it just it just calmed the nerves a little bit. It wasn't like I was out there pitching drunk, you know. It was just <laughs> a little something thing that you know, hey, let's go have some fun, you know. And I don't know, man. I think some players tend to build the situation up more than what it really is, you know. I used to yeah. always try to dumb it down and say it's just another game although it really wasn't, and you try to do everything you you can just to treat it like another game, even though it's not. You try to mentally treat it like it's not another game, but the hardest part is when, you know, the pressure gets put back on you. You got guys on base or, you know, you come up as a hitter and you, and you got to get this RBI. That's where you really have to slow it down. You know, hearing you hearing you say that, I was thinking about watching Jose Leclerc of the of the Texas Rangers yesterday, and you know, walking the tightrope a little a little bit against a pretty good lineup. But I kept I kept looking at the at the shots of him, uh, the up close shots of him, and it looked to me like one. I mean, he was looking around at the stands, and I'm thinking one, either this guy has no clue, which might be good, or two, this guy's really trying to hide the fact that he's. You know, he his this got a little queasy stomach happening here. When you watch a closer, yeah. when you watch a closer, Jonathan, can you tell? Can you tell when? Okay, this guy's cool as hell, and it might get a little messy, but he's got to figure it out. Or yeah, he's bsing us, man. This guy's just crapping himself. Can you tell the difference? No question, no question about it. In fact, um, there is absolutely no. And I look at it many different things. Um, I look at, you know, the way he's breathing. Uh, I look at his eyeballs, you know. I look at the way the ball's coming out of his hands, the way he set. There's every little tiny thing that goes on, all those little things I'm talking about, that you can tell when a player isn't comfortable. And the hitters know it as well. Trust me, they know it as well. And they also know when that guy's out there, man, he's comfortable as hell. And he's he's about to whoop my ass, and I got to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? So it goes both ways. Um, but I mean, even like last night, you know, 
I could tell, you know, Kimbrell had his good stuff and he was locked in. I could tell um, the Dominguez guy that they had to pull struggling and you could see it on their face. And even, you know, what's funny is, is like when I was playing, my dad would call me up and he'd be like, yeah, I could tell you were going to blow that one. I could just tell you didn't, you didn't have the same mannerisms, you know? And I'd be like, well, the hell, how many big leaders have you got out? You know, like shut up. But sounds like Barker and me, especially. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But here's Uh, the thing though, is, is the Philly with the Phillies and even you know, the Rangers, man, and, and vice versa on the Blue Jays side. Like, if you don't have your stars that you're paying your money to, if you don't have your stars show up, you're, already, you're, you're not going to win. I'm just sorry. In playoffs, if your stars don't show up, you will not win, period. If David Ortiz didn't show up, Mike Lowell didn't show up, Mayor Maris didn't show up, Beckett, Powell, if your stars don't show up, you lose. That's a fact. And, and I believe that's what happened with the Blue Jays. The stars didn't show up. The stars that were paid all the money didn't show up. And you look at the Phillies, the stars that are getting all paid all the money have showed up. So look at the difference. Uh, very quickly before we let you run, I did want to ask you about the Red Sox. They are looking for a GM. Uh, you know, Kevin and I Kevin and I are of the opinion, Jonathan, after watching the Red Sox, that that lineup is – that lineup's one of the best. I would, I might, I would say right now. I think they're the second best lineup in the AL East. They gotta find some pitching. Are you seeing the same thing we're seeing? That if they can find some pitching, they're not that far away from taking a run at this thing. No, they're not that far away. But they have to find a lot of pitching, not just some pitching. They need. And I've said this, if Brian Bayo could beat next year, if they go into the season, if Brian Bayo is their number three starter, they will have a good season. If Brian Bayo is their number one or two, not looking good. Jonathan, we're going to let you run, man. Really appreciate you doing this terrific insight. And anytime you can uh, mention Jagermeister in our show is good, man. <laughs> I got no problem with that. Although generally my experience with Jagermeister has been a whole hell of a lot less less positive than yours i do have to admit well said well yeah because you have to know thyself you know i should have said that you have to know thyself right it's like when you're playing it's like when you're playing golf you know the first you know five or six beers man you're feeling good you're stroking it good but after like eight or nine yeah ah, kind of stuff starts to hit the fan yeah exactly exactly you're you're great man thanks for doing this awesome thank you okay guys i'll take care Jonathan Papelbon, former MLB closer, Nesson analyst. Uh, Barker, when you played winter ball, you used to talk, you talked about the dude in Mexico that would be smoking in the on deck circle and flip <laughs> the cigarette before he went to the plate. Now, yeah, yeah. I also know from covering winter ball a little bit, uh, there is a there's a lot of alcohol consumed. Uh, let's, just, let's just let's just put it that way. Uh, I was in a I was in a dugout in the Aguilas dugout and. Yeah, I mean, their guys were taking the edge off a little bit. Um, you ever, Jaeger and coffee, would that have worked for for a young Kevin Barker? Absolutely not. No, I, I hated coffee till I had a, uh, till I had a son, and then, and oh, then once really? I have a son, well, yeah, because I, you know, you have to get up earlier, and well, something's got to work, and you know, it's that that seemed to be the the one thing that my dad would always tell me: try coffee. And I used to laugh at my daddy, my dad, because he used to drink coffee so much, and now he laughs at me because that's all I do is drink coffee. Uh. So, yeah, no, I, that would never work for me. But yes, I have heard. I never would condone this, 
when you, you know, <laughs> yes, are you playing would. I know baseball, the stories. Playing Give a me baseball a break. <laughs> so play, playing a baseball game of, of you know, consuming uh, things to take the edge off. I would not condone that whatsoever. But I have heard of individuals trying that when it's really noisy and you have a giant headache and you're trying a to get tequila. a hit so you don't go home. I mean, it's a simple. little tequila. Yeah. <laughs> so, I I have I have yes had conversations with people that have tried that yes 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 I, in, indeed I bet you have uh, Jeff Passan doesn't need tequila uh, to he get up for not. an appearance on Blair and Barker and Jeff Passan will join us next it is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet five ninety the fan maybe we'll get a promo from Jaeger here on Sportsnet five ninety the oh. fan and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. All right, a reminder that Blair and Barker would be on 11 to noon Eastern on Sportsman at 590 The Fan uh, through the duration of the World Series. And then we'll be doing weekly podcasts once the off-season rolls around. We'll take, we're going to take a couple of weeks off before we dip into the weekly podcasts. But we will uh, just keep tuned to uh, Twitter, and I'll let you know when, we, uh, when the schedule changes. And that's all I'll do on Twitter because I'm, I'm not doing anything else on Twitter. You're going to break the Otani news, huh? Coming to the Jays. <clears throat> no, I won't be breaking that. I might jump in the bandwagon a little early, but I won't be breaking it. As I said, how many teams could go to Shohei Otani and say, we'll give you all this money, and you don't have to worry about pitching for us because we got our rotation set. Just hit balls, be healthy, sell tickets, sell jerseys. That's a thought. Do I think it'll happen? Nope, but it's a thought. Uh, I'm still trying to recover from Jonathan Papelbon's story oh. about Jägermeister and coffee in the bullpen. Yeah. Um, I can't say I'm surprised. It's just so one much of those for things. working out more, going for long walks before the game starts. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Let's bring Jeff Pass, an MLB insider with ESPN on. Jeff, uh, it, I, we just finished an interview with Jonathan Papelbon. <laughs> you know, one of the things I kind of wish I knew all this stuff when I was covering the game about guys. Yeah. It would have made the writing a lot more interesting. Oh. Yeah, I, you know what? I. I feel the same way, and yet I still appreciate the stories coming out years after the fact. That is because true. We get, because we get to enjoy them and appreciate them at some point. Sometimes letting something marinate and, and slow cook for a while, like, think about it. Barbecue doesn't happen in the moment. Like, That's in order right. for the alchemy to take place, uh, you got to wait for a little while, and it makes it even better. That is that is uh, that is true. Uh, we are joined by Jeff Passan of ESPN. Mr. Passan, we trust that you're doing well. Uh, let's. Uh, I want to talk about the postseason, obviously, but let's walk through a couple of sort of newsier items, I guess, before before we get there. Uh, we haven't had a chance to talk to you since uh, 
both Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro spoke at the season's end, certainly since uh, since since Mark Shapiro's uh, state of the union, state of the team, whatever whatever you want to call it. I, I just, oh, I mean, you're out and about. It's a postseason. There's a lot of baseball people hanging around. Do people think the Jays are a mess? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, you know what the mess is. They've lost the fan base. That's when you go from okay, this this feels like a you know a problem or um, an issue, but something that's resolvable to something that can get ugly really quickly. Because when your fan base doesn't trust you, like normally that sort of level of distrust is not reserved for the front office. It's reserved for ownership. It's very, it's very rare that you see a, a group of fans sort of coalesce around the idea that the front office is just not telling them the truth. And that's right. where we are, right? Yeah, it's like I, I, I the, this certainly is, this the messages have been my mixed. Re- yes. Yeah, this is this is my this is my read from you know from thirty thousand feet. This is my read from afar, um, but it seems like what what has been the narrative that has been spun since Jose Barrios was taken out is is one of not taking responsibility. And and look, I I don't know definitively the conversations that did or did not happen. But what I do know is that what has been preached about the Blue Jays and uh, about the communication between the front office and the person who's sitting in the manager's chair and the coaching staff versus the explanation of how this decision happened, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't uh, like the Jays have talked about being process oriented. Right. And, and how the process is an important part of things. It it doesn't seem like this was the kind of process that they've been preaching having. Like there's there's just a disconnect there. Am I uh, 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 am I Not, reading this correctly? Absolutely. Yeah, listen, uh Absolutely. You know, I mean, we've talked about this. Look, ownership's spending a ton of money. They're, they're going to spend a ton of money next year. There's no indication yeah. of a rebuild. I mean, they're ponying yeah. up, uh, you know, the, the, the ballpark stuff. That's all. They're paying for it. No, nobody's gone to the public to ask money for it or anything like that. But, yeah, I, I, I it, it's true. It's uh, I don't know if I've quite seen anything like this since the days when J.P. Ricciardi was general manager, and that was always a little different because then you were always saying, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because the Yankees are going to spend $280 million anyhow. And, and right. that's different. Right, right. That's different than where we are now. Like, there's yeah, a real sense I mean, of resources being squandered now, which is never a good place to be. No, but that's a, here's the thing. Like, it's, it's not our money, so... Yeah, <laughs> that's you know that's not like what a team spends. That I, I think the the re, the resource that's most being squandered, Jeff, is time. Mm-hmm. Not that it's not dollars; it's time. There's a finite amount of time 
that this Toronto Blue Jays team has before it gets old and guys leave. That's the that's what is being squandered at the moment. It's time and it's opportunity. Yeah, Jeff, that's an interesting point. I, I think whenever I watch the lineup, say for the Phillies, say for the Rangers, when they're fully healthy, balanced, taking what the pitcher gives them, not over swinging, using the entire field, having a cleanup hitter. Uh, you could throw the Astros in there, I guess, when Tucker and Altuve are doing their thing, right? They're balanced. They're experienced. They can go yep. line to line. They have a superstar stuck right in the middle who can hit, clean up, protect. The Blue Jays lineup, Jeff, I don't know about you, but from afar, they look really far away from competing against lineups like this and actually winning a World Series. What do you think about that? Yeah, I don't think that's unreasonable. Um, let's let's look at the Rangers lineup. It's very interesting how they construct this team. Um, you know, Jonah Heim, a catcher, uh, late bloomer, but he's big and he's a switch hitter, um, and he he makes pretty good contact. You know, um, Nate Lowe got him in a trade. Uh, Their middle infield, Simeon and Seager, uh, half a billion dollars in free agent signings. Josh Young, drafted and developed. Evan Carter, drafted and developed. Um, Leody Tavares, signed and developed. Adelise Garcia, um, off the scrap heap. They just got lucky as hell with that. And and don't get me wrong, like good scouting, you know, taking a chance on an extremely well-put-together guy with massive power and hoping that he stops swinging and missing. Um, You know, every team takes those shots. But... They're going to have Wyatt Langford up next year, too. And Ezekiel Duran is going to play some sort of role here. And and about half the team is going to come from drafting and developing. And, uh, you know, just putting this vis-a-vis the Jays, um, there's not a ton bat-wise in the pipeline right now, right? Yeah. Like, who who do you look at and say this guy's going to, going to be – an everyday future player with this team? I mean, that's not a rhetorical question. I'm asking you, who do you look at? Addison Barger? I was going to say a couple of maybes, Aurelvis Martinez, but I don't know know where he's going to play, and there's still a lot of swing and miss in his game. Um, But, yeah, I'm with you. Besides that, uh, you know, I think there's a a bunch of guys at single A that may or may not come good. there There is an extremely and I mean extremely clear issue with the or excuse me extremely clear correlation with the ability to draft sign and develop a a core and win you see it with the Astros like the reason that they are where they are or or to trade for a guy really young you know they Traded for Jordan Alvarez like a month after he'd signed with the Dodgers. Um, and Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman. And the reason they've been able to continue on, the, you know, the stretch for seven years now. Kyle Tucker, uh, Chaz McCormick. You can go on and on. Um, you know, the the exception to this may be the Phillies. Um, they've, they've just, you know, they've got Bryson Stott at second. They've got... Alec Bowman third. They've just made really canny free agent signings. And 
they've hit on him, right? You know, Castellanos and Schwarber and, and Harper especially and Real Muto, like they traded for Real Muto, but, um, uh, you know, sign him. Like uh, there have been real hits. Um, and uh, what are the Blue Jays hits lately? Like would you say Springer's a hit? Nope. 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 Pitching. Pitching's been where they've hit it out for the most part. Yep. They've done a great job with their pitching. Yep. Free agents. Yeah, Bassett, I agree. Gossman, Brios, trading and I listen, trading for a guy that's gonna be basically knock on wood. Trading for yeah, a guy but who's again, gonna trading be healthy for, trading for a guy who you trading for a guy who you sign. You know? Exactly. Um but other than that, no, uh, you're right. They've um you know, they 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 had, I mean this year we kept saying where's that impactful bat from inside the organization organization Davis Schneider came up and had a nice couple of weeks but you know he's Davis Schneider no disrespect to him but he, I don't think anybody counted on him as as or is counting on him as being a, a crucial piece going forward and you're absolutely right you still need that you still need that core uh, and then I look I even look at the Diamondbacks and the same thing, I look at the Diamondbacks and I go, man, a, a couple of free agent signings and, you know, the, there's no reason to think that they're going to fall off the face of the earth in in the next two years. I mean, they may be a little undercooked right now, but that's, you know, that certainly. Man, this is, this is, this is going to be a kick to the nuts, but how good does Gabby Moreno look? <laughs> yeah, well. There's there's a lot of that going on. Um, although it is, you know, I I got a little bit of grief for this because the fact of the matter is, though, there is a scenario where he doesn't make this team out of spring training, and and, and I think fans kind of need to realize that. Yeah, uh, obviously, He's Alejandro there at the end Kirk of the season though. Uh, yeah, uh, correct. Yeah, and with Danny Jansen hurt, but Alejandro Kirk, Absolutely. Gabriel Moreno, who would you rather have? Well, now a hundred out of a hundred people are going to give you that answer. But back in spring training, it 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 wasn't quite as clear. But yeah, I mean, look, yeah, he's in the postseason. Well, he's was... in the he's in the postseason. He's in the middle of the lineup for the Diamondbacks. You can't take that away from him. No, and he's and he's hitting fifth. And boy, do they love him there. I mean, just well, the, he... the <laughs> again. Don't mean to be salt in the wound here, but the the raves from that organization about that kid are innumerable. Hey, hey, Jeff. What has to happen for Houston to get to get back on track here? Christian Javier, is it simply that, or you know, my friend Mr. Barker would point to Jose Altuve and uh, and and Kyle Tucker is is kind of dragging the side down a little bit right now. I I think your friend Mr. Barker is right. Actually, um, you know, the pitching the pitching hasn't been ter- like Framber Valdez was not good yesterday. Um, the, that's very simple. But Justin Verlander pitched. You know, for not getting any swings and misses, Justin Verlander is an interesting point in his career where he can have a, a really good game when he's not good. And, and I've seen a couple of those from him this postseason where he's not, you know, not punching guys out, not dominant, uh, but just gets out and and wriggles his way out of jams. Um uh, Javier, you know, the last time Javier pitched, it was his third consecutive postseason appearance of more than five innings allowing one or fewer hits. Um, I, I don't think expecting that is necessarily realistic, but uh, they just need to they need to swing, man. Like Jordan Alvarez can't do this all by himself, and that that's 
what it seems like he's doing right now. Um, Chaz McCormick is not hitting. Uh, Altuve's not hitting. Tucker's not hitting. Like the the lineup is is just not been good this series. And what they're really not capitalizing on is the Rangers bullpen. I mean, yesterday they had so the Rangers seven eight nine. Uh, it seems to, you know, Bruce Bochy seems to have settled in to a Josh Spores, Aroldis Chapman, Jose Leclerc endgame. The three of them were pitching back-to-back, and Leclerc's gone uh, seven out of seven games he has finished out. Um, I'm not saying that they're going to be tired necessarily, but I will say that the combination of usage and quality should make them very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And they just, you know, I said this in a tweet, like they bend and they bend and they bend, but they haven't broken. Uh, the Astros need to break them. And if they don't, they are going to find themselves with a early exit to what they had hoped would be the first back-to-back championship since the 98-2000 Yankees. Jeff, if Max Scherzer goes out and looks like Clayton Kershaw, what? How should I feel about Max? Which Clayton Kershaw are we talking about? Well, are we the, talking the about regular season Kershaw? Well, the one that normally shows up in the playoffs. Huh. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. Th- I don't think Max Scherzer and Clayton Kershaw in October are the same thing. Um, I think Max has had bigger and better moments. Um, and, and look, he's got, I, I will be very surprised if Max Scherzer goes out tomorrow and throws six shutout, you know, like the yeah. last time he pitched was September 12th, Kevin, like it's been more than a month. Yeah. Uh, he has not had any rehab starts and he's going right out there and taking the ball in a playoff game. And, the Rangers have to be so thrilled that they're up 2-0 after being in Houston for any number of reasons. But chief among them is it gives them room to have a Max Scherzer stinker. Um, because it, what can you expect of a guy after being out for a month and stepping into this? Uh, to me, it's almost like anything you get from Max Scherzer at this point is gravy. And and let's remember, because they've been able to go scores Chapman Leclerc, they have a fully rested Andrew Heaney, they have a fully rested Dane Dunning, um, they have a fully rested John Gray, um, who also hasn't pitched, but they have a bunch of guys in their bullpen now who can give them bulk. So if I'm Bruce Bochy right now, Max Scherzer is on the quickest of hooks. You know, I was thinking of you watching Nathan Uvalde pitch yesterday because of all the work you've done in pitching and pitching injuries. And I just, yeah, you know, are we making, are we giving this guy enough credit to, for being able to come back from an injury without having, he couldn't go down to the minors and rehab, right? He's basically rehabbed in the majors. Like, I, I just think it's such yeah. a terrific story. First of all, I love him as a competitor, but I just think that's such a cool that's, story, man. Yeah, that's the, that's the right um, that's the right attitude to have. And I don't think you are making a big deal out of this competitor is that that's who he is. That 
I'll tell you, between him and Scherzer, um, the Rangers have two of probably the top five pitchers in terms of just pure competitiveness. And I know that's a really hard thing to measure. Where you know, there's nothing that that we can say like, uh, you know, we have numbers on velocity, we have numbers on production, whether it's through ERA or FIP or any of the other metrics that we have out there. We don't have numbers on competitiveness. Um, it's just it's one of those things that his teammates they see and they know and they appreciate. And maybe you know maybe we can look back in the eighteen World Series at the eighteen inning game and the fact that the dude came in and like threw six innings out of the bullpen uh, <laughs> on a day that he wasn't supposed to start. He essentially started. And, you know, before giving up the home run to Max Muncy, he was just shutting down uh, a very powerful Boston Red Sox lineup. But uh, I, you know, I love the guy's fire. I love how much he cares. He is a beloved teammate and just a really good dude. Um, and, And to see him go out there, what seems like every October and, uh, just put up good outing after good outing. That's that's what his legacy is, you know. It, I I go back with Nate Evaldi quite a long time because, uh, you know, you bring up the, the book I wrote. Daniel Hudson's first rehab start back. He was uh, in Double A, was uh, down in Jacksonville, and. Uh, Opposing him on the mound that night was another guy making a rehab start coming back from Tommy John surgery, and it was Nate Evaldi who had had it twice to that point. So it's you know it was a very interesting illustration to me of how pervasive uh, this this has become. And I, I not to non sequitur completely here, but it was very interesting. There's a guy named John Rogley who. Uh, keeps a database of Tommy John surgeries. And uh, he put out a tweet yesterday or the day before that I believe more than 35% of pitchers in Major League Baseball have now had Tommy John surgery. Like that is just, that, it's such a stunning number to me that it's it's that and, and it has gotten higher every year for, for the last, you know, at least 15 years. Yeah, man, if it was a car, there'd be a recall, you know. I mean, that's the only way to put yeah. it. If pitching was a was great, an automobile, there'd be, there'd be a recall. Hey, Jeff, as always, we appreciate your time. Travel safely, my friend. Yeah, have fun. Thanks, buddy. I shall, gentlemen. Take Look care. forward to talking to him. Absolutely. That's Jeff Passan, ESPN's MLB insider. How good would Nate How good would Nate Uvalde look on the Boston Red Sox? Whew. How good would he look anywhere? That's it for us. We'll be back 11 to noon Eastern tomorrow on Sportsnet 590, The Fans.